Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So if you follow media at all, and many of you choose not to follow the media whatsoever, or at least as much as you possibly can, I sort of get why you might feel that way. But nonetheless, if you follow like the twists and turns of like the media world, and if you've done that for a long time, here's one of the things you know about CBS. CBS is the slowest network, typically speaking. What I mean is, if you want to go back way before we were all born, back in the days of like black and white television, the last network to televise its content and color was CBS. All the other networks, ABC, NBC, I guess those were the only two back at the time. The other networks were televising almost everything they had in color at a time when CBS was still only showing things in black and white. You can go back and research that. That's just what CBS is sort of known for. Fast forward many decades later into the future, when the switch to HD was made, all the other networks, Ad Fox in the mix, ABC, NBC, they're televising their content in HD. CBS was the last to sort of switch over to HD content for the stuff that it was putting there on its uh, network. CBS has always been this sort of venerable broadcast brand, but it is the network that just moves slower than the other networks when it comes to innovative change and they've been kind of comfortable with that for whatever reason so it might not be that much of a surprise that once again on an issue that relates to cbs this is an entity a media conglomerate that's just moving a little too slow for some of our tastes that's obviously been the cbs history of the past once again as they do each and every year they have ranked their top coaches in college football and at the top of this ranking it's going to be a little bit of a problem for george now let me kind of pull out here for a moment and uh, just give you a quick reminder about something. We'll kind of jump back into this. I love this kind of stuff. I will debate rankings with y'all all summer long. It, obviously, our sport, college football, is the sport that has the shortest season. We have the longest off season. So we kind of, you know, make up these arguments and these things to do to kind of help pass the time. You know, part of the sport of college football is arguing with each other. Sometimes Georgia fans argue with each other than themselves. They have intramural arguments because that's just what we do. We have fewer games, shorter season. Most of our time as college football fans is sort of spent arguing about the games either took place or going to take place. And this is all just sort of part of that. And I love all of this. I, I, I love all of it. So I'm glad that CBS provides these rankings for us to debate, even if I don't particularly like the way in which they've ranked the top coaches. And in fact, let me give you a little taste of this. Our friends over at On3 made a pretty graphic, so I'm going to steal this from them, give them credit for it. I'll throw it onto the screen here. Here are the top 10 coaches in college football as ranked by CBS Sports. At uh, Actually, do you mind? Uh, yeah, there we go. James Franklin comes in at 10. Luke Fickle now at Wisconsin coming in at 9, which I think was a very interesting offseason hire. Ryan Day's down at 8, which I just think is hilarious because Day hasn't won anything. By the way, we have a great golden shoe uh, connected with him a little bit later on. You got Kyle Whittingham at Utah coming in at 7. Brian Kelly at LSU coming in at 6. Keep your eye on the Fighting Tigers here this year. Jim Harbaugh at 5. Harbaugh's actually won – like. <laughs> You got Lincoln Riley at four. Like, why would Jim Harbaugh rank be ranked behind Lincoln Riley? Like, what's the argument, you know, there on that? Uh, but nonetheless, Riley's at four. Dabo's at three. He's got two national championships. Kirby Smart is at two. And Nick Saban is still at number one. Now, it may not be a huge surprise to many of you to hear and understand that we believe that the order there at the top, Smart at two, Nick Saban at number one, we believe that is wrong. We believe that that CBS gets it wrong in still ranking Nick Saban ahead of Kirby Smart. And to our credit, even though the easiest thing in the world on a Georgia-centric show 
uh, to do would be to come on here year after year after year and say Kirby Smart's the best coach in college football. Kirby Smart's the best coach in college football. But if you want to go back and the Internet's amazing these days, all of our shows are archived. If you want to look hard enough, you can find anything we've ever said. Go back to this time a year ago when we were having the same discussion. I was not arguing for Kirby Smart to be the number one coach in college football last year on the basis of one national championship. I wasn't doing it. This time a year ago, we were having the same conversation. We basically have some version of this conversation every year around this time because the CBS ranking of the top coaches in college football is just sort of one of the tentpole things that sort of comes out you know, around this time of year. This time a year ago, I was not saying that Kirby Smart was supposed to be the top coach in college football because on the basis of one championship, that alone was not enough to change things. Guess what? It ain't one championship anymore, bad grammar intentionally. It's two now. And in the current trend of the sport, I think it's very hard to deny, at least it should be almost impossible to deny, that Kirby Smart has now surpassed Nick Saban as college football's top coach. I believe there are two reasons that CBS and the sort of collection of writers that that deliberate on this i believe that there are two reasons that cbs doesn't want to make this change one of these is cynical one of these is practical and i'll give them to you here right now here's the cynical thing and you may roll your eyes at this but i believe it's true for a lot of the sports writers that cover college football nick saban has been on the top of the sport since they were young and if nick saban is still on top in college football then in their mind that must mean they're still young And I think there's a lot of this to that. I think we see sort of in the moment nostalgia in sports now in a way that I don't know that we have in the past, or maybe I just wasn't around to to uh, participate in it. But, you know, you see it for Nick Saban here where people kind of want to hold on to the idea of of Nick Saban still as the best coach in college football because it means that things haven't changed all that much. You see the same thing for Tom Brady in pro football or Tiger Woods in golf. Whereas, hey, if these guys are still on the top, you know, athletes like Tiger or Brady, uh, I guess Brady's retired now, but you still get the point, only recently retired. If if Nick Saban's still the top coach, then maybe I'm still kind of in my prime there as well. I think there's a little bit of a cynical reason why, you know, there's this, there's this desire to sort of keep Nick Saban right where he is at the top of uh, college football. So that's kind of the cynical reason on that the more practical reason i do think is probably worth at least discussing and i mean this in good faith here is what i think ultimately kind of also guides writers like the ones at cbs or anybody else who wants to keep nick saban as the top coach in college football doesn't want to move kirby smart up on the basis of two straight national championships i think they're legitimately afraid I think they're legitimately afraid that if they move Kirby Smart up to number one and then Nick Saban, who's going to have a top five team or, you know, they're going to have a national championship contending team this year, we believe, assuming they can find a quarterback from from, uh, you know, what they have on the roster right now. But in some form or fashion, Alabama expects to be a, a competitive football team competing for national championships and if you move Kirby Smart to number one right now and then Nick Saban sort of regains the top spot in college football wins a national championship again well now you got to move Saban back to the top next year and all of a sudden you seem foolish for having Kirby Smart at the uh, top of the college football world right now and I honestly think there's a fear here of let's not be too quick to move Nick Saban down because we don't want to look foolish if Nick Saban rises up and has one more final you know great moment here and what appears to be the winter of his career now i'm going to talk more about that coming up in just a moment but let's talk about the landscape around college football that i believe has caused and allowed kirby smart to the to rise to the top of college football you know when it comes to certain things i mentioned tiger woods tom brady a minute ago when it comes to athletes here's what we know you've heard it said before and it is just true it's true in our own lives there as well 
the father time is undefeated. That eventually you are just not the athlete you once were. We've seen that in Tiger Woods' case for sure. You know, Tom Brady didn't have a great season this past year either, but in Tiger Woods' case, we have seen the erosion of his physical skills because of injuries and, you know, car wreck, all, all, all these other, other things. Like we have seen Tiger Woods be less than he once was. For athletes, there is just that erosion of skill that happens for all of us, even those of us who are kind of like weekend warrior type athletes. We even sometimes see that in our own lives there as well. We're just not quite what we once were. Father time is is sort of undefeated but when you come to being like a coach that's obviously not an athletic endeavor and in situations like that I believe you know decline isn't natural the way that it is with athleticism I think in most cases decline is a choice or I think decline can be pointed back to a series of choices you might would have made and this is the thing that I think needs to be understood about the current landscape of college football here there are a series of choices that Nick Saban has made that has opened the door for Kirby Smart to step in and be college football's top coach and I still even after all the success that George has enjoyed I still don't quite think people have fully appreciated the way in which Nick Saban has allowed this to take place, that Nick Saban has moved in a direction, made a series of decisions that has made someone else overtaking him as college football's top coach possible. And you've heard me say this before. And when I do say stuff like this, there are a lot of you, even people who kind of generally speaking like the show that don't necessarily agree with me on this. But I'm going to try to hammer this point home nonetheless, that Kirby Smart has been able to move to the top of the college football coaching world because Nick Saban has made, I believe, a series of incorrect choices. Let me start with this. Nick Saban has more, uh, been more than happy in recent years to talk about an overarching offensive philosophy that's guided him. Nick Saban has been of the belief that football has changed. And we have said over and over again that Nick Saban has exaggerated, overestimated the degree to which that football has changed. And the fatal error that Saban's made in that has allowed Kirby Smart to very quickly work his way up the ranks of guy who had never been a head coach before in 2016 to now being the best head coach in all of college football in 2023. That is a very short ascendance. And I don't know that Kirby Smart could have ascended this rank to the top of college football if Nick Saban hadn't made some very fatal errors errors to assist him with that let's hear Nick Saban in his own words I believe that Nick Saban's description of the evolution of college football overstated exaggerated and the ways in which that Nick Saban got this wrong has helped Kirby Smart this is Nick Saban from just a couple of years ago the game is different now people score fast I grew up with the idea that you play good defense you run the ball you control vertical field position on special teams and you're going to win Whoever rushes the ball the most for the most yards is going to win the game. You're not going to win anything now doing that right? because, A, the way the spread is, the way the rules are to run RPOs, the way the rules are that you can block downfield and throw the ball behind the last scrimmage. I mean, those rules have changed college football. Right? And no huddle fastball has changed college football. So I changed my philosophy about five or six years ago all right, and well, it was more than that when Lane came here. We said we got to outscore him. So I think it's really interesting, and, Kurt, and and Nick Saban's been celebrated many, many times for being kind of the old dog, willing to learn new tricks. And as Nick Saban says there. The decision to hire Lane Kiffin at the beginning of the 2014 season is sort of thought to be the moment when all that changed for Nick Saban. But I don't think it's been fully appreciated by anybody else other than us on this show how wrong Nick Saban was. And even the sort of late career success that Saban has seemingly had because of this willingness to change I don't think this has been properly uh, properly categorized or, or maybe cataloged in terms of 
have things really worked out for Nick Saban since this evolution that he sort of saw happening? Have things really worked out for him as well as he thinks they have? I mean, let's look at Alabama since 2014. What you see is three national championships. But think about this here for a moment. The 2020 national championship, I have no problem telling you. There should absolutely be an asterisk on that championship. The 2020 season was not real. And it wasn't only unreal simply because Alabama won the national championship. Go look at Texas A&M. They finished the top five that year. Has A&M looked anything like that at all under Jimbo Fisher or really any other time prior to that there either? Um, it was the kind of thing made possible in a very weird year where everything was strange. Really, nobody was playing defense. Alabama wasn't having to go to tough road environments. Teams like Texas A&M could be a top five. Florida won the SEC East that year. Florida, uh, you know, was kind of a part of the national conversation that year. Five minutes later, Dan Mullen's getting fired. But in 2020, it seemed like the Gators were on top of the college football world. 2020 just was not a real season. It was Alabama's most recent national championship, but it absolutely, I believe, deserves an asterisk because of the strainage of that year. Then prior to that, you look at the 2017 season. No doubt you credit Alabama for winning that national championship. But here's the thing. In 2017, Kirby Smart was in year two. Kirby Smart was only you know, basically a little bit more than a year's worth on the job. Prior to that, had no head coaching experience whatsoever. But in a matter of sheer moments, all of a sudden, he put Georgia boom right in the national conversation, won the SEC, won the college football playoff, had a lead against Alabama. Obviously, the um, late game situation there is the stuff of nightmares for Georgia fans. But in retrospect, it's not an example of how great Alabama is. And it's an example of how quickly Kirby Smart closed the, ga- or, yeah, cl- Kirby Smart closed the gap uh, with Georgia on Alabama. Looking back on it, what Smart said after that game of we're not going anywhere absolutely proved to be true. It was really a harbinger of what would be to come for Georgia even though it counts as an Alabama national championship. Then the other championship the Tide have won in kind of the post-Lane Kiffin era is 2015. And here's the one thing that people don't seem to understand here is the 2015 national championship was supposed to be kind of in that era in which, ah, Nick Saban was figuring it out. Nick Saban's embracing all of this offensive stuff. And Nick Saban's giving up on defense and giving up on running the football. Nick Saban now is about this sort of new version of offensive football. But do you know what 2015 Alabama had? At a Heisman Trophy running back named Derrick Henry. People forget about this. That the championship that Alabama won with uh, uh, Lane Kiffin as offensive coordinator coming in 2015 came in a season in which uh, the Auburn game in the regular season, Derrick Henry got 46 carries. In the SEC championship against Florida, Derrick Henry got 40 carries. In the national championship game that year against uh, Clemson, Derrick Henry got 36 carries. Does that sound like a coach that's given up on the running game? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And the idea that Nick Saban became great because he gave up on running game and defense, the actual resume of Nick Saban sort of tells you a different story. And in the years in which Alabama was actually at its best offensively, 2018, they also gave up a million points in losing the national championship game to Clemson. 2019, gave up a million points, lost a regular season game against LSU. You know, 2021 with uh, Bryce Young, you know, could not hold, handle Georgia's uh, and uh, lost the national championship game there in Indianapolis. That the actual evolution from Alabama may have cost it more than it's actually helped it. And by comparison, Georgia, and we talked about this yesterday, complimentary, successful on both sides of the ball that the door is open for Georgia to sort of step in and have great success 
on both sides of the ball, valuing everything, all phase of the game, playing complimentary football. That was allowed to take place because Nick Saban made a series, I believe, of fatal uh, incorrect decisions that opened the door for Georgia on that. And by comparison, listen to Kirby Smart. Let's go back to almost this time a year ago when he was on the Paul Feinbaum show, kind of talking about the fact that, hey, at a time in which everybody was talking about uh, the offensive evolution and everybody was talking about, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that. Kirby Smart was content to step up and win a national championship in a manner in which he was told could not be done anymore. This is what Kirby Smart said about that almost exactly a year ago with Paul Feinbaum. What Georgia did last year, we really haven't seen that in this era of high-flying offenses. I know that's what you've been trying to build from day one. Do you think we are? We, we, others will try to – by the way, it's impossible to replicate that, but – how, how is that fitting into where we are right now in college football? I think it's who we were that year. We'll be a different team this year. You know, we don't have five first-round defensive players coming back. It's, it's not going to be the case. I don't think it's going to be replicated very often. I still think the it's an era of throwing the ball. It's an era of scoring points. And we're going to have to do a better job of that, continue to do it. And we, we want to play defense better than everybody else. What that number looks like, I don't know. We just want to be number one in the country. We want to be good at it. But we want to score points. And to do that, you got to have skilled players that can make plays. And we think we're in a good Smart's prophecy proved true. Georgia didn't have five first-round picks on defense last year. There was a need for further evolution of the Georgia team, and they did it. They still played defense better than anybody else, but they also played offense about as well as anybody else, too, and way better than Alabama did last year there as well. That's the reason why Kirby Smart's the, the top coach in college football. He was content to be genuine and authentic to himself in 2021. It resulted in a national championship. And he was also nimble enough to evolve a little bit prior to the 2022 season. And all of a sudden now you see some daylight. You see some distance seemingly between the Georgia program and the Alabama program. And it results because of decisions that Kirby Smart has made. And I would say to the negative because of some decisions that Alabama has made or Nick Saban has made for Alabama there in his own right. But quick final point on this, and I realize I've kind of gone along on the topic, but let me go back and sort of acknowledge the fear that exists in the part of some media types when it comes to, you know, moving Nick Saban down for the fear that you might seem foolish later on. This is where Georgia fans have to acknowledge here for a moment that if you want to go back to 2018, at that point in time, it was Dabo Swinney who was holding on to two national championships. There are plenty of people who would have said, hey, maybe Dabo is now the top coach in college football. And a couple of years removed from that, that doesn't seem quite so true anymore because it seems like there's been program erosion there for uh, Clemson. They don't seem quite as much of a shoe in and a rubber stamp for the college football playoff as maybe they once did. So maybe there still is something left for Kirby Smart to prove that a couple of national championships alone may not be enough to win everybody over. But here's where it's good news if you're a Georgia fan. That even if the entire college football world doesn't fully acknowledge yet that Kirby Smart is the top coach, eventually they may have no other choice to do that because Kirby Smart, the guy that's won two, also doesn't seem to have any desire whatsoever to slow down anytime soon. Anytime he's ever asked about this, anytime he has a chance to talk about it, he is more than happy to tell you, hey, the drive to succeed that led us to two national championships, that same drive to succeed is going to keep pushing us to more and more success in the future that we're not going to stop with two just kind of like what maybe what Clemson did after 2018 season in fact from that same interview with Paul Feinbaum going back to last summer Kirby Smart talked about that desire to be more than just one-time national champion now a two-time national champion that drive to keep doing more and more and more and more and this 
energy, this enthusiasm, I think, is what has pushed Kirby Smart to be the top coach in college football and will eventually cause him to be recognized as that by everybody else there as well. Here's Kirby from Feinbaum once again last year. We're a program that is built to sustain. We weren't built on one-hit wonders. We weren't built on you know one guy, one player. Our program's not going to be make or break by one player. So we think we've got really good infrastructure. Uh, we've got a great thing to sell, a great education, playing a great conference. I mean, look at our state. We had 30 players drafted from our state, which is incredible from the state of Georgia for the number of people in it. So there's a great product being put out there by our high schools, and we get the blessing of that being the state university. So here's the bottom line. As I said to start the show, CBS has always been slow with everything. Slow to broadcast in color, slow to broadcast in HD, and now maybe slow to recognize who college football's top coach really is. The results, though, speak for themselves. Georgia's won the last two national championships, and Alabama seems to be on a slide. I believe that Nick Saban takes some of the blame for the slide that Alabama's on. He's made a series of incorrect decisions. By comparison, Kirby Smart seemingly has been able to push all the right buttons for Georgia over the course of the last couple of years, and he'll have a need to come back and do all of that over again this year as well. And if he does, maybe at that point in time, there will be no more debate. There will be no more discussion. Everybody will realize that Kirby Smart has been the top coach in college football and might stay the top coach in college football for many years into the future. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945 First and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really, really glad to have you checking in. Whatever platform you use, we're just glad you use it. We really appreciate all of that. Our friends at Kroger, we appreciate them there too. And one of the things I always want to make sure you guys know, especially going into a weekend, when Kroger's got a great savings opportunity for you, I want to make sure you're aware of that. And right now that's the case. So today and tomorrow, you can save $10 when you spend $75 or more at Kroger. So you got graduation parties. My uh, daughter, by the way, turns eight years old today. So we have a big birthday party for her taking place at the house tonight. So you better believe we'll be making several trips to Kroger because there's all kinds of stuff we got going on with that. So first of all, happy birthday to my daughter, uh, Kate, turning eight years old today. But uh, for those of you who got graduation parties, my son's got a fifth grade graduation next week, high school, college, everything else. So you're getting ready for all that Memorial Day, uh, cookouts, things like that there too. So get stocked up right now. Save $10 when you spend $75 or more right there at Kroger. Just go to Kroger.com and you can get more details on that or just stop by in store and uh, start saving right away there with our friends at Kroger. All right, it's a busy, busy show for us. It's a Jeff Sintel here in a moment, Jake Fromm before we're done. Really good stuff from Jake Fromm today on five-star quarterback and newly minted Georgia recruit Dylan Riola. We'll get that with him coming up in just a moment. Prior to Jeff joining us, though, here, let's go around the doghouse, served up today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And I kind of want to use around the doghouse today, if you don't mind, as a little bit of a preview for what we're going to talk about with uh, Jeff here in a moment. And I kind of want to hit sort of the news that everybody's aware of and sort of the news that maybe sort of flew under the radar a little bit this week. And I want to kind of get Jeff specifically on that here in a moment. Let me start with this. And once again, I'm going to steal some uh, content. Uh, Some of the stuff from Before the Hedges on Wednesday presented by Kroger about exactly what's on tap for this uh, scavenger hunt weekend for Georgia this, uh, this particular weekend. A lot of you know about this. 
Hey, if you need a quick uh, reminder, so the scavenger hunt is a time in which, you know, big time recruits are invited to come to Georgia and they sort of gamify it a little bit where, you know, they get in groups and they sort of travel around campus and they're trying to find Coach Smart and things like that. And as you kind of check off these things, you know, move from here to there to there, you just kind of get an experience, sort of hang out with some of the staff and, you know, get a chance to sort of get a taste of what the campus is like. It's apparently a really fun event. We always see a lot of photos from this and it always looks like everybody's having a great time, the families and everything else too. It's one of those things where like, it'd be kind of nice to be a fly on the wall in this not just to you know see who's coming to georgia or whatever but just to sort of experience the kind of the fun that everybody seems to be having as it relates to that so this is one of those things we look forward to each and every year this year it seems like it takes on an added importance because of some of the heavyweight names who are there can we just roll through some of these here for a minute we'll get more into this with jeff so here are the official visitors obviously the big name to know here is jeremiah smith the uh, five-star current ohio state commit you know keep your eye on casey poe there as well just something from the fact that there's not a ton of megawatt elite offensive linemen necessarily around the country this year so poe takes on uh, extra value because of that and then you about cam McKell and uh, of course marcus harrison uh and, and colton heinrich there as well but a lot of attention there on jeremiah smith this is a tough pull for georgia we're not going to deny that but you know for georgia fans who've kind of gotten used to poking uh, at ohio state a little bit having smith on the athens campus this week while ohio state fans whine about it on social media uh, that is always a lot of fun and how about the fact that dylan Ryle? i mean I-, I told this to jeff last week and listen i get plenty wrong but this is one of those things that i sort of feel like i probably uh, kind of got right which was you know jeff was on here last week talking about smith and saying well you know i expect dylan Ryle to be here you know to kind of be a part of the scavenger hunt as an unofficial visit of course dylan's official visit comes up first weekend in june and what i told jeff last week was well listen if uh if dylan Ryle is taking an unofficial visit to georgia like the week prior to taking an official visit i'm not even sure he needs to commit at that point in time i think that that he's essentially operating as a part of this georgia class whether the designation has been attached to his name or not and so now it is you know all but official that uh that that Ryle is uj commitment but we had a pretty good preview of that last week i think ryan williams a 2025 wide receiver you know this is a guy that you know even a year ahead of time earning a ton of buzz here right now uh that is a name you got to know he's obviously an alabama commit which makes it kind of fun too but this is just a big time prospect so that's a big deal kj bolden been a little bit of buzz about him lately that's obviously out of the great buford program and so on and on you go there nycar who i think uh you know you really like a lot and obviously Carr, you know high school teammate with landon thomas still a lot of chatter about him right now the newly minted state champion track star dwight phillips on his way in there too so that is some just really good stuff and that's kind of the stuff you sort of expected when it comes to uh, this particular weekend let me give you one kind of off the radar story and what i'm hoping with jeff here in a moment i'm late getting to him and i apologize for that just uh but one of the off the radar stories i'm also kind of interested in a little bit too is in fact we saw a big time prospect this week five-star running back jerry gibson put out his list of uh top five finalists that included georgia and I think while we're, you know, you know, fixated on wide receivers and obviously still celebrating quarterback and looking at this and looking at that, I mean, to me, Jarrett Gibson, of course, running back from IMG Academy, you know, this is this is a guy that I want to know more about. I want to know more about that relationship he has with Georgia right now. You see the finalists includes Florida, which you laugh about, Tennessee, Georgia. You mind taking the graphic now one more time? Yeah, Texas and Miami down there as those of as those final five finalists for Jarrett Gibson. Uh he asks you know where where should i go in his tweet you know putting this out of course Ace fawcett another pretty edit from him 
uh, there on that. But I think Gibson's a, look, a pretty good-looking running back from him based on what I've seen. And I sure would love for Georgia to be you know, squarely in the mix here when it comes to the Gibson decision. This came out this week. You know, where does Georgia stand with Gibson? I'm hoping that Jeff Sintel can tell us about that here in a minute, too. So the bottom line is we've been telling you this for a while, and now it's coming true. We've been saying that the summertime was going to be wild. There was going to be so much recruiting news. We're going to be trying to scarf it all up. This weekend, the scavenger hunt, obviously an example of that. And Jeff Sintel here to tell us more about that coming up in a moment. For, for now, though, let me remind you that Around the Doghouse is served up by our friends at the Finish Long Drink here today. And, of course, if you have not tried the long drink yet, speaking of summer, this is the time to do it because it's a ready-to-drink cocktail. And those of you like mixed drinks, we're out at the pool or the golf course, somewhere like that, on the beach, whatever you're doing here this time of year, no better uh, mixed drink option for you than a ready-to-drink cocktail right there out of the can like our friends at the Finish Long Drink. The Long Drink Cranberry, I promise you, everybody in my neighborhood loves that long drink strong that's eight and a half percent alcohol by volume i know y'all like that long drink zero no carbs no sugar you want to look good in your bathing suit that's the way to do it long drink traditional i like this some of the blue can just looks good especially with that loud condensation just sort of dripping down right there uh grapefruit flavor gin kick that's my i just love it this time of year and so if you haven't tried it this is a great time to do so go to the longdrink.com just put in your zip code and you can find out where to pick it up. Every golf course near me has it. I mean, literally every single one, I believe. And I see people out there enjoying that on the links all the time. Uh, every And really, whatever you want to do, back patio, porch, whatever you got going on, the long drinks got you covered. In fact, uh, to give you another little sort of taste of this, uh, our good friend Kaylee Manziel just graduated college. And if you want to know how her sort of like early post-graduation uh, life is going, I think we have an indication it's going pretty well. Kaylee sent this text to me on Sunday, not to give the... Uh, uh, private text message way here but she sent me uh, a case of the uh, finished long drink a picture of the case the finished long drink with the uh, caption there on text message best drinks ever so uh kaylee enjoying her uh college graduation uh life right now which i'm very pl- proud to see she certainly deserves that she got the uh, eight can variety pack uh, all four different varieties of finished long drink two different cans of each so she's enjoying that uh making the most of the, her summer post-college graduation and to all of the uh, recent college graduates out there I hope you're able to do the same kind of thing. So big thanks to our friends at the Finish Long Drink for being a part of Around the Doghouse here today. All right, before we are done, it is uh, Jake Fromm, a Kroger fresh take with him. That is always a great thing to be able to do. But for now, we got to get serious, y'all. Got to get into all of the conversation, the aftermath of the commitment of the five-star quarterback, the nation's number one recruit, Dylan Raiola, the wide receivers that are most impacted by this. That long list of visitors we just talked about as it relates to the scavenger hunt. What is going on with Jerry Gibson there as well? You know, that's a running back worth paying attention to, too. Let's cover all of these bases right now as we welcome on Jeff Sintel for what I think promises to be a very spirited conversation here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Always happy to have Jeff Sintel part of the program. And obviously, Jeff, we want to play the hits and get to the Riola stuff and the wide receivers and everything else here and the scavenger hunt coming up in a moment. But let me just piggyback off of what we were just discussing around the doghouse because I do believe this event kind of flew under the radar this week a bit. Jarrett Gibson, the running back, five-star at IMG Academy, did put out a top five. I don't know that anybody that follows this stuff closely was surprised to see Georgia among his finalists. But we haven't really talked about Gibson maybe a ton lately on the show and you know, haven't really talked about that other running back to go along with Dwight Phillips here for this class of 2024. So give me just a quick nugget or two on Gibson finalists 
Georgia in place for this, uh, you know, elite running back prospect. And then we'll kind of move on to the more expected conversation for today, if you don't mind. Playing the hits. I like it, Brandon. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Uh, you know, I think, I think Gibson is a unique spot. Gibson has long had his official visit established to Georgia for the first weekend in June when all the, uh, basically, I keep calling it Oscar night is going to happen for Georgia with official visits. Um, long been linked to Texas. Uh, Georgia's kind of just always been in the running there for Gibson. He's the number one back in the country. Brent, I'm going to make a general broad statement here where I feel like if there's one position that's going to look at NIL more than any other, I think it would be the running back position because you're not really guaranteed a long life in the NFL. You're not really guaranteed to get to your second contract. So if you look recently, you know, names that come to mind, you know, Reuben Owens last year is a good one. Those top running backs are going to command top dollar in terms of NIL, and that's it's something you just hear with not just a Jared Gibson, but with like the top four or five running back prospects in every class now. That's something that they feel there's a market for. Um, and we all know mostly on this show, I think we have well chronicled the fact that Georgia and NIL recruiting is not going to be the main inducement by far for bringing players to Georgia. When I think running backs, Brandon, I'm not trying to uh, levels roll, roll the volume down here, but what I am trying to do is I'm trying to level set a little bit when i think of the best potential running backs in this class man that man the addition of lenith whitehead um lenith whitehead excuse me um basically puts four or five of the same body types three or four of the same body types in athens in terms of that pounder i'd look for del mcgee in this class to go after james cook types like christian clark um he's a great example uh taylor Taylor Tatum's a great example. I mean, those type of running backs that are going to look really special out in space have to include Nate Frazier here. That's the running back that we think Georgia has the best mutual shot with in the 2023-2024 class, excuse me. And that's not just because of their two other very special top, top 100 overall players at modern day that Georgia's also going after in the 2024 class and even in the 2025 class. That's where I think – Folks need to know about the running back spot with Jared Gibson. I don't know if George is on the gold medal stand right now. I think they're probably jockeying for the silver or the bronze. He's going to take his visits and figure that out. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you know, sometimes it's important to get the true story, whether it's good news or not. And so I think that's certainly fair analysis, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. On to what might be a much happier subject. That's the scavenger hunt here this weekend. And, you know, Jeff, I read your storydognation.com the other day, and when you look at, the, like, the volume of the names, it can be overwhelming. And so I want to see if we can kind of help the Georgia fan out who might sort of feel like it's information overload from time to time. I mean, Jeff, when you think about, like, elite 2025 wide receiver, when you think about Jeremiah Smith official visit, when you think about just, the, the, like I said, just the sheer volume of all of this, it can be a little bit difficult to process here. So let's try to streamline this. Give me small handful of sentences for that Georgia fan who's kind of in and out. He's got, you know, kids graduating or he's got youth league baseball or he's, you know, trying to, you know, work. You know, there's, people got a lot going on this time of year. Give that guy or gal a quick sort of thumbnail of exactly what's at stake for Georgia here this weekend. Okay, uh, guys and gals, what I would say to start off, and I feel comfortable saying this, in the time that Kirby Smart has been at Georgia, if I had to put together those lists, a list story, and everybody loves to read those list stories, and I had to think about the 15 biggest recruiting weekends that Georgia has ever hosted, 
I'd feel comfortable saying that this weekend, as well as the first weekend in June and the second weekend in June, are likely going to be in the top 15 of those weekends ever. That's how mammoth I think this will be. Brandon, I've been covering scavenger hunts since Nolan Smith was scavenger hunting in Athens, and everybody thought that was the cool, shiny new toy on the block to do a scavenger hunt. That they trick recruits into thinking it's a it's a campus tour when really it's a chance to take selfies and to compete with their position coach against other positions and kind of seems like that hallway race in Days of Thunder between two drivers where they're basically knocking wheelchairs each other with each other outside on the way to the parking lot or whatever. I'm going to say that the Dylan Riola decision puts a lot of things in play. Brandon, it might no longer be a, be a question of if Cam Georgia signed two five-star receivers. Excuse me, let me back that up. It might not be a question if Georgia can sign a five-star receiver in this class at all. It might be a question is can they sign two. Wow. It might be a question is look at other classes. Look at South Carolina's best recruit. Look at the best recruit right now at Alabama. Look at the best recruit right now at Ohio State. I think Riola in play gives the dogs the the parlance, the cachet to go in there and flip dudes, dudes that they really want. Because I really think this is a really special class that I love this term. I've thought about it for a while, Brandon. This Georgia class needs to get offensive and they need to get heavy handed on offense because the way the program has been put together the last two cycles, the defense is going to be tip top, all time, top notch, good as it ever gets in Athens. And now they need more of those first-round playmakers at receiver, first-round playmakers at quarterback. You know, one thing the great Justin Fields never did in terms of building the class around him in 2018, which I love how the world works, Brandon. Everybody, when we trumpeted that class, we said, that is the one that's going to win the national championship for Georgia. And it did. Key players like Jamari Salyer, key players like Zamir White, keep going down the list, um, Aziz Ojolari key players in that class that helped get Georgia to their first championship, but it happened a different way than everyone expected. But one thing Mr. Fields never did is he never brought in a five-star wide receiver in that class. And I think Rayola can do just that. All right, so Jeremiah Smith is the guy that's taking the official visit here this weekend. And Jeff, you mentioned Justin Fields a moment ago. Because that Fields came to Georgia as a one-time number one overall recruit, obviously Trevor moved back to that before that cycle came to an end. I am in no way downplaying the Dylan Riola news, and eventually we'll get there. But to me, in a weird way, flipping Jeremiah Smith from Ohio State, I think based on previous track record, would be a tougher pull for Georgia than actually getting the Dylan Riola commitment. So, I mean, I feel like I've asked you some version of this question over and over again. Is this real this weekend? Is Georgia really taking cuts at Jeremiah Smith with a chance to pry him away from Ohio State? Uh, you know, or is this just one of those things we're sort of doing uh, as Georgia fans to troll Ohio State because of how miserable everything about UGA makes them these days? Like, I, I think I asked you this exact same question last week, but I'm asking it to you again right now now that the Riola News is official. How real is this pursuit of Jeremiah Smith here this weekend? I think it's public now, Brandon. Here's what's different than last week's answers. I mean, I, I could probably say if you polygraphed me, I could go back a couple of months and saw – the sodium pentothal true serum answer was that I thought Riola was coming. Riola was coming for several months now to Georgia. Just the way he acted behind the scenes, just the way he would, it just seemed like Brandon, every time that uh, Georgia would get a commitment, I'd, I'd hear back or I'd talk to the recruit about how Riola gave them a text or some type of call or they had some sort of quick conversation. 
uh, basically congratulating them on their decision. He's been acting like a leader of this class for so very long in this time. Even Peyton Woodyard uh, told me that it was so hard for him to keep that secret for months that Riolo was coming. And I think now it just puts a public face on it. I think it's real. I don't think it's real with Penn State. I even don't think it's real with Florida. Brandon, I hope you noticed what Jeremiah Smith did this week. If not, it's my honor-bound duty to tell you that he won three state championships in different uh, metal platforms than him. most might expect. You Good know, the him. hurdles, you know, just a terrific all-around athlete. I'm on the record saying I, don't, I think he's one of the best five receivers I've seen in the last 10 years, and I can say that without a trace of hyperbole as well. And I think Smith becomes real. I think this official visit becomes real. I think there's a reason why Dylan Riola needed to be in Athens this weekend to start working on guys. If that guy or gal out there that's busy and wants to notice something else this weekend, I would pay a lot of attention to the to the visit from Jaden Riddell. That's the uh, on three has him as the number one tight end in the country. The twenty four seven sports composite has him as the number four tight end. They're dudes that just want to play in the band with uh, Dylan Riola. And you know, out of the many stories this week, Brandon, the thing about the official visits this week in the scavenger hunt. I hope this doesn't get downplayed and get lost in the shuffle. Brandon, they've never had official visitors like this on the first weekend. Yeah. Uh, on the first official visit for a lot of guys, normally it's not about that. It's about the two or three guys and the great in the, uh, in the current cycle, and then there's the the guys that are a year away from being the five stars that everybody wants. Where Georgia plants the seeds. Uh, the Casey Poe story is great this week. He seems like a Stacy Searles guy to the yeah. nose. You got Cam McKell, a stud, absolute stud in Statesboro. I think it's almost criminal how some of the rankings for him have him as the number 26 player in Georgia. But I don't know if there's 10 players in Georgia in a loaded year in the state of Georgia that are better than uh, Cam McKell. Another news I feel duty-bound to inform folks about is Edric Houston, who is now the number one top target on the board in the class of 2024 after the Rayola, Rayola news. Edric Houston's taking an official visit to USC this weekend, mm. his first, and he's got a commitment date set for August the 22nd. I really just think a lot of things are in play in a busy week this week for Georgia. Um, I also love the fact, and you know, we got a story that's going to go up on DogNation.com today about the continuing unwavered commitment of uh, of Ryan Puglisi here, folks. I, this may surprise you because everybody thinks the number one ranking and the number one overall recruit. If you put Dylan Raiola and Ryan Puglisi together on the football field and watch them throw. The arm talent is going to be special for each. There are a lot of areas where I think uh, Ryan Puglisi has an edge on um, edge on Dylan Raiola in terms of you know getting the ball out. This certain, this particular pass, the RPMs and the velo on this throw, and you got to remember Ryan Puglisi. I think he scored 14 rushing touchdowns last year. And if you had to sit there and say who's the more mobile, who's the better athlete guy in the pocket, I'm I'm warming to the debate that I think. I think Ryan Puglisi is just, a, just as talented of an athlete um, as even as even D- Dylan Raiola. you got to remember, he's thrown a football 73 yards down the field before. He's thrown a baseball 92, three, 92, 93 miles an hour. And the one thing, and this is a good little nugget of that story, Brandon, is everybody, like I almost felt sorry for, for Puglisi this week because everybody was like, hey, is the, is, are the blue skies still blue there with, here with you in Georgia? You know, when, something's changed, right? Something's changed, right? And everybody's like, you know, you just don't do this anymore. You don't sign two quarterbacks that are ranked that highly. And I thought to myself, is that speculation or is that reality? And I just started looking at the numbers. 
Most people will forget that Alabama signed a pair of quarterbacks in the last cycle that were both among the top 15 quarterbacks in the country. You yeah. go back another year or two, you see that USC signed two, ranked, on, ranked among the top five in the country. You see that Texas did that same thing also about two or three years ago. So while it seems definitely setting yourself up for a prescription to go visit the transfer portal, it's been done a lot recently, and it's not like Georgia is doing something uncommon over the past three or four classes in terms of stacking up those marquee quarterbacks. All right, let me ask you a couple of short questions about the scavenger hunt, and you can give me short answers on this. First of all, if K.J. Bolden is in Athens this weekend, and if Edric Houston, his high school teammate there at Buford's way out west at USA, should I read into that that Georgia's in a better position for Bolden right now than it is for Houston? I don't think so. Um, I think I think uh, one thing Houston's going to take a lot of trips and good luck with USC because I know Edric Houston to be a uh, very serious, very solid, very very kind of old fashioned type recruit, and that's going to be their first ever visit, and it might be their only visit before he makes his decision. Whereas with KJ Bolden, Brandon, I don't know if he's been to Athens more times over the last two years than a lot of season ticket holders. Uh, this might be season trip. This might be visit number 12, 13, or 14 now for K.J. Bolden to check out Athens. Georgia continues to recruit him so hard. I'm actually on assignment right now and talking to a major Georgia five-star commitment. And K.J. Bolden has been the full-court press for forever in this class. Uh, Everybody is warm to the fact that Georgia's going to try and sign three of the top five safeties in the country by everybody's rankings. Um, K.J. Bolden, very special talent. Georgia continues to be right in the thick of that thing there, and it can only help Georgia to see to put K.J. Bolden around an official visit weekend scenario with Riola in town as well. Speaking of high school teammates, I believe you've reported that Nikar, the wide receiver commit for Georgia, is going to be on hand uh, this weekend for the scavenger hunt there as well. Can't help but think down in Moultrie, Georgia, about Landon Thomas, one of the few Georgia players uh, of note that sort of gotten away here recently Florida State commit a lot of Georgia fans are not ready to wave the white flag of surrender on the Landon Thomas recruitment anything new you can give us on that well I mean uh, I tell you what uh, Todd Hartley if he wants to add a new level of amazing to his resume that would be it feels to me Brandon like Landon Thomas is uh, his heart and his mind, and he's kind of always wanted to be at FSU, and he feels great about FSU. FSU's having a pretty pretty great whale of a recruiting class there themselves. I think the focus probably needs to sh- shift more upon there's a Colton Heinrich in town this weekend, Brandon. Yeah. That's a three-star tied in out of Fort Lauderdale. He's in town this weekend, and also Jaden Riddell is also in town this weekend. And, Brandon, I'm really glad. One of the things I feel like it's probably duty-bound to share with folks again as well, just to remind them, not just the Puglisi stuff. But I think a lot of people forget that they're watch- if they need to watch Nikar really closely, he looks like, you know, a more athletic type Kyrus yeah. Jackson type. He looks like he looks like the type of player. And folks are sleeping on this a little bit. Nikar is a top fifty player in the country. That's right. And there might be some of these receivers that Georgia's gonna go after, and that might be a big Tiger Woods fist pump if they end up getting like a, a Ryan Wingo or they end up getting a Cam Coleman, or they end up getting a Jeremiah Smith, and they end up maybe chasing down a really talented player in Texas, another five-star by the name of Micah Hudson. You want to flip that film on, and you're going to look how special and electric some of these players are. Not a big gap between what Nikar offers, and he's already steadfastly committed to Georgia, than some of that candy that's out there in the streets that Georgia's trying to put in the shopping bag 
for the 2024 signing class. I think that's exactly right, Jeff, and I'm glad you said that. I've always felt like that Nikar kind of represented sort of a, a next frontier for Georgia with wide receiver recruiting, and for whatever reason, he hasn't necessarily always gotten that kind of coverage, but I do believe this is a little bit different kind of prospect than what we've typically seen Georgia you know, do with the receiver position. I'm glad you're saying that. All right, two final things, and I want to finish with wide receiver again here in a moment, but prior to that, so, you know, we've obviously all had our kind of turn here on the uh, Dylan Riola news, the uh, commitment this week from the number one prospect in the entire country. You know, what is there maybe something related to this story that we have not talked about enough yet, or maybe an aspect of what has led Riola to Georgia that we're not quite as aware of? I mean, obviously, Sean Chappas has gotten some credit for this, the, the ties to Matthew Stafford, things like that. I mean, it just sort of seems like this is one of those things that was sort of written on the wind, sort of, that Riola might be at Georgia for, for a good number of reasons here. You know, is there any part of this yet story that ha- angled to this story that quite, kind of hasn't been told yet? I think really the center of every Dylan Riola decision has been his face. One of the things that I tried to chronicle in a different kind of breaking news commitment story is, you know, Brandon, we often talk about follow the visits, right? We often talk about look where this guy's going, look where this guy's not going. And that kind of paved a little blueprint roadmap for the Riola decision as well. But for me, when I knew that, that he was already in the barn within mid, I believe it was mid March when he visited with Ryan Wingo in tandem, and um, he started checking out churches. He started checking out church homes. Now, let's face it, in the deep south, this is the Bible Belt, and Sunday go to church time is very important. And for him to be meeting with, there was a pastor up in Charlotte that they knew. There's a pastor by the name of Montel Jordan. Yes, it is that same Montel Jordan. This is how we do it, Montel Jordan, that now leads or is part of a major leadership group of a congregation in Norcross. When a young man and his family are coming into town for a recruiting visit and they're checking out churches, um, that was really substantial for me. It's like, kind of tell me you're a Georgia recruit without telling me you're a Georgia commitment already. When you go start checking out church homes and making church visits while you're on an unofficial visit, that certainly says there's a substantial connection already in place there. That's really interesting. Very interesting indeed. And so uh, we certainly wish him well on that aspect of his journey also. All right, so this is the final thing for me, Jeff. And you, know, you talk about wide receivers here a little earlier, and I know I've kept you long, and I apologize. But uh, so here's my kind of ranking of what I believe the most likely pulls for Georgia would be when it comes to the elite wide receiver. And you can change this however you want to. You can add a name to it. You can rearrange my order if you want to. But here's my order from most likely, I guess, to less likely. I'd put Ryan Wingo at one, Jeremiah Smith at two, and then I'd put Mike Matthews you know, after that. That Wingo's more likely than Jeremiah Smith, and Jeremiah Smith may be more likely than Mike Matthews, even though Mike Matthews is in state. He just sort of seems like that latest version of the Gwinnett County player who's just sort of you know, hell-bent on going somewhere else. Um, is that, does that ranking reflect your view of reality? I would say um, subject to change after this weekend with Smith, I think this is going to be vital. And I'm going to say that here's the cliff notes for this story right here. Let's already skip ahead in the CD to the, to the best songs on the playlist. I think that Jeremiah Smith, the only recipe that Jeremiah Smith joins Georgia is that something happens with Ohio State and Brian Hartline. I think, I think him, the flip's going to be a lot, not as hard as the fact that he's really connected to Ohio State really connected, as he should be, to Brian Hartline's track record with first-round wide receivers, which is pretty much impeccable. Um, I would say Wingo has been connected to 
to Dylan for the longest. That's pretty an accurate kind of number one type guy right there. Mike Matthews, Brandon, it's Clemson as well as Tennessee that are really chasing him hard. But we do know this, that um, Dylan Raiola definitely opens up the uh, the thought bubble, opens up the possibility window a little bit larger. There have been published reports this week about how Matthews has said that Raiola public to Georgia is a substantial boon for the program in terms of the way he considers them. That's that's also pretty big right there. But you know, the other names you got to think of, there's Amari Jefferson in Chattanooga. Nitro Tuggle is definitely not going anywhere uh, in the class. I don't think Kobe White or Nikar are going anywhere as well. It might be a situation, Brandon, where there's so many names here. Wingo, Cam Coleman, Mike Matthews, Jeremiah Smith. Remember how we always talk, man, that if you stack up five prospect or five player assets, one of those guys is going to hit. Yeah, I think one of those guys is going to hit, and maybe two of those guys are going to hit. Because the longest thing that I can say really now and honestly about the Raiola decision is people are going to know, and people have probably already known for the past three weeks, three months, excuse me, let me put the proper time stamp on this, is they know what Georgia is now. They know how they've been winning. They know they've had, they have been developed in the, NFL, in the NFL. They saw what they signed in 2022 and 2023. And everybody, these boys all talk, Brandon, there's group texts that have been in place for months and almost years. Those guys know where everybody's going, and they don't want to have to deal with the beast that Georgia's about to become in, in December and in January for those big ball games. They're almost already right there with Georgia now, and they're like, why not just jump on the back of this train right now and really do something special? When you said something earlier this week, I know in your classic Dog Nation Daily Wise Guy slick comment that 2021 and 2022 might be viewed as the lean years. Brandon, I don't think that you were being over-the-top and whimsical about that. I think there's a strong portion of truth to that. Boy, that's a fun thing to think about, Jeff. Great conversation. Also sounds like you've got some great stuff from your road trip there coming soon to dognation.com. Can't wait to read about that. And, of course, we'll look forward to the chance to chat with you again very soon there as well. Thanks so much for your time. Happy weekend, everybody. Hey, if you see somebody scavenger hunting in Athens, just say go dog. There you go. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Fun time to be a dog fan. A lot of interesting recruiting stuff. Jeff Sintel, more of that coming up here at dognation.com. You love to see that. By the way, we're not done with great guests in today's show. It's Jake Fromm here coming up in just a couple of minutes. Cannot wait to do that with uh, him there as well. We are getting ready for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Prior to that, though, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And speaking of fun times in the summer, Boy, it's a great time to take a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And I think for a lot of you, you know, we have different kind of categories of people. There are some people who know a lot about the cruising world. There are some people who haven't had that cruise experience yet. And if you haven't had your first Royal Caribbean cruise yet, here's the thing you need to know is you've got a choice of itineraries about which kind of Royal Caribbean cruise you want. Maybe you're trying to decide, you know, is this right for me right now? Well, a short Royal Caribbean cruise, like a three-night cruise, one that goes over the weekend. And maybe you drive down to Port Canaveral just past Orlando. You get on there. You get on the ship on Friday. You're back on Monday. You're going to work that day if you want to. It's just kind of a weekend getaway. Our Dog Nation cruise that we took back in April was a four-night cruise. We got on the ship on Monday. The ship was back home again by Friday. Once again, you know, kind of a... Uh, you know, a smaller time commitment for those who maybe don't have a lot of time to 
devote to things. But if you've heard me talk about all the different things you can do on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, you've heard me talk about the large Oasis-class ships that have the multitude of neighborhoods like the Central Park area and the Boardwalk area and the Royal Promenade area and, you know, all the great entertainment district with all the fun stuff going on there. And you're like, I want everything that Royal Caribbean uh, has to offer from an entertainment and enjoyment standpoint. Well, you're ready for one of those seven-night sailings on an Oasis-class ship. Whichever itinerary sort of feels right for you, it's a great time to explore that, whether it's here during summer for the availability that still remains or thinking to fall 2023, of course. Uh, our good friend Jessica Slater, you know, Royal Caribbean, I always think it's interesting. And I have a lot of good friends at Royal Caribbean, you know, folks who've been great to me, and I, I love telling their story each and every day here. And the one thing that they've always been really clear with me about is, is that they want folks to use a great travel agent to book a, a great Royal Caribbean cruise. And Royal Caribbean has sort of... You know, totals about Jessica Slater. Come to find out, you know, I know Jessica's husband Ben for a long time. It's kind of uh, weird, uh, sort of a weird small coincidence. But uh, Jessica was someone we've kind of gotten to know through Royal Caribbean. She was suggested to us, recommended to us by the cruise line, and we've had a great time getting to know her. And she's booked a lot of personal travel for me and my family, and she can help you out with your situation there as well. So give her a call seven seven zero seven one eight nine one four seven. That's seven seven zero seven one eight nine one four seven. She can get you set up on a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation here today all right so off the top of the show we talked a good bit about kirby smart and nick saban the fact that cbs still ranks nick saban as its top coach in college football kirby smart at two let's look for a moment here at some of the other sec coaches in the top 25 on the cbs list and some of this stuff i think is really interesting for instance jimbo fisher comes in number 20 on the list now what's interesting about fisher's placement is two things first of all this is a dramatic fall from where fisher was over the course of the last couple of years you know kind of prior to the ascendance of kirby smart you know jimbo fisher was sort of in that rare category of active coaches who had a national championship and fisher for the most part was treated that way and at the time that sort of seemed like the right and reasonable thing to do there weren't that many coaches who had won championships fisher was a guy who did win one he left for big bucks to go to texas a&m and this is where i kind of got caught up in an error I assume that eventually some of that success that Jimbo had brought to Florida State, he was almost certainly destined to bring some of that to Texas A&M there as well. It has not happened. And I don't know how many instances we have of a coaching star falling more than what the Jimbo Fisher star has been lately. You're all very well aware of that. But when you see lists like this, a guy that would have kind of been mentioned near the top five in the past, now mentioned only barely in the top 20, that gives you an idea. This is a coaching reputation that has been greatly tarnished. And Jimbo coaches this year, not only just to sort of save his reputation there at uh, Texas A&M, this is a guy that needs to win if he even wants to be employed in future seasons. But also a guy that wants to remind folks, I would think, that he still is a uh, college coach of note. He obviously made a lot of headlines last year because of alleged NIL and the uh, historic recruiting class that A&M put together. But a year later, all of that just seems like even more fool's gold. It's a very interesting 12 games coming up starting in September for Jimbo Fisher. Now, what's interesting also about the placement on this list at 20, he is one spot below his uh, guy who followed in his footsteps at Florida State, Mike Norvell. And it's always been the... You know, anytime there's a divorce like this, Florida State and Jimbo, it's always like, well, who gets, you know, in better condition first? And it seems like Florida State has done better post-Jimbo than Jimbo's done, you know, post-Florida State. The ranking of Norvell ahead of Jimbo, uh, another example of that. Mark Stoops comes in at number 18 on this list. I laugh about that. There's always sort of the darling coach that you know the media sort of falls in love with because it's sort of like hey you can't like the band that has the hit song on the radio you gotta like the band that nobody's ever heard of and so there's always a certain category of media type 
Dan Mullen at Mississippi State used to be the version of this that, oh, man, this was sort of the thinking man smart coach. Uh, well, now, you know, Dan Mullen's proven himself to be anything but that. And so you have to gravitate towards a new version of that. And it's Mark Stoops at Kentucky that folks have kind of gravitated towards. Now, listen, I think Kirby Smart's got a lot of respect for Mark Stoops, too. There's clearly a level of toughness that his team seemed to have. But, you know, let's also not make more of uh, Mark Stoops than what he is. And I think the only proof you need to know that Stoops is not one of the 18 best coaches in college football. The only proof you need of this is that he has been in something of a blood feud as of late with John Calipari, his own administration. You know, Mitch Barnhart, the Kentucky athletic director, is not well liked. And, you know, there was some thought. Well, maybe Stoops' name emerges for one of these uh, big-time job openings. Maybe Mark Stoops is going to leave Kentucky and go to a place where he has a chance to win more. Well, guess what? That's never materialized whatsoever. If Stoops was one of, really one of the best 18 coaches in college football, then programs more set up to win than Kentucky would be lining up to throw money at him. The fact that they're not would lead you to believe that Stoops may be fine, but he's certainly not one of the 18 best coaches in college football. Josh Heupel is 16th on this list. I actually don't have much of a problem on that. Uh, you know, I think that Heupel's done a pretty good job thus far uh in his two seasons at Tennessee he's clearly given a playing personality to the Vols they didn't have prior to him getting there the only beef I have with this is is that I think that Hypel oftentimes is elevated at a level that's unfair to a guy like Shane Beamer came in at the same time and has really actually enjoyed a somewhat similar level of success um, I think that Beamer has probably been underrated in a comparison to Josh Hypel. Shane Beamer obviously beat him head-to-head last year but Hypel's accomplished something at Tennessee given the just the more bounce of that program prior to him getting there you can say that Hypel's done nothing so I don't have a huge beef with Hypel showing up on this list different feeling though about Lane Kiffin at 14th Lane Kiffin is just absolutely, without question, the most overrated coach in college football. You know, the idea that Lane Kiffin is the 14th best coach in the sport on the basis of what accomplishment? Like the phrase that people sort of use sometimes now is the idea of somebody being sort of a Nepo baby. I mean, Kiffin has written his last name into everything he's ever enjoyed as a coach. And obviously, he sort of parlayed that into job after job and now he's at Ole Miss ask Ole Miss fans how they feel about Lane Kiffin right now you know the 14th best coach in college football ought to have a certain level of bulletproof sort of you know public support within his own program within his own fan base and his own booster base I'm not quite so sure Lane Kiffin has that Ole Miss Kiffin embarrassed himself at the end of last year and a lot of media types don't seem to want to like hold that over his head because they think that Kiffin's funny on social media, or he's certainly very accessible to interviews. Kiffin is interviewed very frequently in a way that a lot of coaches of a similar stature just not. And I think that Kiffin's gotten some favorable coverage because of that. Uh, but the notion that there are only 13 coaches in this sport better than Lane Kiffin, you know, Kiffin's got a very thin resume. No one ever seems to really kind of point that out. But in terms of accomplishments, uh, Kiffin has very few. Uh, so we think it's an absolute joke that he's 14th on this list. But nonetheless, he is. Uh, I mentioned Luke Fickle a little earlier at nine. Wisconsin spending big bucks to hire Luke Fickle, I think, is potentially a pretty interesting uh, situation here. I do believe that Fickle's a really good coach. And when Georgia played Cincinnati in the 2020 Peach Bowl, we saw you know, a, a team that's pretty tough that day. I think that Fickle's one of the handful of coaches in this sport who can really put a stamp on a team and put a stamp on a season. And I am fascinated to see what Fickle does there at Wisconsin. I think that's a big-time hire. I think Ryan Day at eight feels about right. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is a coach that would have a lot of uh, – you know you know a lot of suitors if he were on the open market but at the same time 
He's also not done anything uh, to warrant being much higher on this list. Brian Kelly's at six. He has a big opportunity ahead of him there at LSU. That's pretty interesting. And then you kind of get back to the conversation we're having on the top there between uh, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. So CBS has ranked them all. We've kind of shared our thoughts, and I'm sure you've got your own thoughts there too, which is what makes college football this time of year so much fun. So with that said, we'll call that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and get ready to say hello to Jake Fromm as part of a Kroger Fresh Take here right now. Jake, I know you've been busy over the last few days. I'm not quite so sure aware how, how aware you are of the fact that Georgia fans have been uh, I, I guess, you know, pretty much in a frenzy here over another quarterback on its way to the Georgia program. Pretty deep quarterback room here right now and soon to be a five-star quarterback, nation's number one recruit, Dylan Riola, out of the state of Arizona. I guess how much have you had time to pay attention to this and how much have you learned about Dylan Riola over the course of the last couple of days? Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Glad to be here. Man, actually, I have actually kept up with this a little bit. You know, it kind of shows up on the Twitter feed kind of every once in a while. Um, but, man, I heard nothing but great things about uh, this young kid. Uh, I know his uh, father played for the Lions, uh, was Stafford Center for a while, uh, comes from a great family and a great football background. So uh, excited for the dog, excited for Kirby. Uh, kind of, to me, what this does is just kind of kind of etch the dynasty, you know, just a few more years down the road. You know, I, like I, I think this is going to be, be good things. Uh, for the program and uh, look forward to him getting on campus no I like that that's a lot nice thing to think about and I think about your own career you know go back to your time there at Housen County and you know you became pretty famous pretty fast right you know you kind of go from being a very young guy to all of a sudden you know people know who you are and you're considering going to Alabama you're considering going to Georgia and kind of all the stuff there like what's that like I guess because you know now Dylan Riola is going to have you know this time now where as he moves into his senior season his fame has now greatly increased and you know his dad played in the NFL so maybe he's a little bit more used to it I guess but it's still the kind of thing that probably is pretty overwhelming I would imagine anyway for a high school athlete what is it like to receive so much attention when you're not that far removed from being like a little boy, like being a child, and all of a sudden now you're getting all this attention? What was that like for you? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot coming at you really, really fast. Uh, you grow up really, really quick, uh, and you have to have the right people uh, around you. I mean, obviously, you know, with family-wise, uh, your dad, uh, other grown men you can lean on, uh, and your friend group as well. Um, but all that does is just bring – uh, a high level of expectations, uh, and for me, it was just a drive con- to continue uh, to work on my game, uh, to be a competitive football player, a competitive person, uh, man, and just try to become the best football player I can be. Um, yeah, I mean, the expectation is going to be high for this young man, uh, man, and just just hoping he can kind of come close to obtaining them. So, as a quarterback. What do you see when you see other quarterbacks? In other words, we hear, oh, nation's number one recruit, five-star, you know, and obviously those credentials seem well-earned here. But what makes a quarterback like this maybe stand out from other quarterbacks that, that he could be compared to? What do you notice when you see other young signal callers? Yeah, I think it's just all about, you know, potential of what they could be. You know, you, they come to camps, you see this raw talent, uh, you see the athleticism, you see the arm strength, um, you see very good glimpses of ball placement and accuracy. So, man, just just a, a potential, man, of what what they could be. Coaches love being being that guy who can take such a, a prodigy uh, and turn him into an incredible football player, um, and, and and they love that. They eat that up. So, um, yeah, that's just going to be part of the process of this young man, and uh, uh, it's going to be kind of fun to watch. I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but in kind of a similar vein here, you know, 
when you were at Georgia, Justin Fields came behind you. That was also a guy at one point in time that had been the nation's number one recruit. Trevor Lawrence ultimately finished that way, but Fields is like right there in that conversation. And yet, in a competition, you won that competition. You held on to the Georgia starting quarterback job, to your credit. There are other quarterbacks on the Georgia roster who are also going to want to compete with Dylan Riola here. And I think you and I both would say, hey, Gunnar Stockton looks like a pretty good quarterback prospect. You know, Brock Vandergrift does some things well. He looks like a pretty good quarterback prospect. These are guys that in a future conversation or future competition, I should say, they're going to want to win that competition themselves. What would your message be to them now that they see a guy like Riola getting attention that maybe at one point in time they used to get, you know, you know, the proper mindset moving into a competition that's going to take place in future years? Yeah, that is uh, just part of playing for, you know, the best, if not one of the best teams in the country. You just know that they're going to recruit. They're going to constantly reload and bring in uh, new players, new competition. Uh, and that is just, just part of the deal. It's just part of what you sign up for. Um, man, if you want to be the best, you got to compete and you got to go against and play with the best uh, guys in the country. Um, that's what Kirby continues to do, bring incredible football players in. Uh, and it's going to be a competition, you know, each and every year. So, um, you know, when those guys come in, all the stars, all the rankings, all that good, fun stuff everybody loves to talk about goes right out the window. Um, man, you put your head down and you go to work. So, um, you know, for those guys, for Gunner, Brock, um, and all those other young guys, uh, you know, kind of on the team. You know, it's just kind of part of it. Nobody's going to root for Gunner Stockton more than me. Love Gunner. Um, and, man, just going to – for him, it's just continuing to put your head down go to work um, and grind it out. There's also a weird part of this, too, where we sort of treat Carson Beck as if he's been at Georgia for 50 years. But the truth is, <laughs> counting this fall, if he wanted to, he could still have three more years in a Georgia uniform You know, this year and then two more years after that because of the COVID year, because of his redshirt year in 2020. It also sort of sets up a situation where you know Beck ultimately is going to have a choice to make about how much longer he wants to further his college career. And obviously, he would be draft eligible after this season. So if he plays well, maybe he moves on. But there's no guarantee that in a future discussion that Carson Beck couldn't still be a part of this competition moving forward if he wanted to, or maybe, you know, holding on to the reins as the starting quarterbacks. You know, that's what, you know, kind of is maybe anticipated for this year. That to me, Jake, the weird part of this is is that Beck could actually still be a part of this for longer than maybe I think some people anticipate that he might be. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I agree. That's just part of this weird um, kind of COVID situation yeah. year that we have um i mean there, there's just no telling what what guys uh want to do what they're thinking you know what they're comfortable with um and i think it puts a lot on the coaching staff and the recruiting um you know department as well uh man I, you're, you're you're having to continue to recruit uh players and kids now while they're on campus while they're on the on the team so man the, the job never stops uh and that's uh that, that's tough but man kirby continues to do it it's our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily. And, of course, Kroger brings this conversation to us each week. And each week they also bring you opportunities at great savings there as well, including leveraging like cool technology, things like that. In fact, right now you can download digital coupons and start rate, uh, saving right away. You can go to the Kroger app, Kroger website, and get involved there, get registered, get signed up, and get those digital coupons coming your way right away. So go to Kroger.com slash sign up for more on that that's kroger.com slash sign up for more on that jake a conversation we've had this week a little bit around here uh kind of relates to sec network kind of threw this out there and there's been some discussion
discussion, debate about it, comparing the great Georgia defense of 2021 to the terrific LSU offense of 2019. And unfortunately, obviously, you know, your team ran up against LSU in that SEC championship game that year. We can all say how good that LSU team was. But I've been kind of of the belief that while I couldn't guarantee a Georgia victory in there in that spot, the 2021 version of Georgia with that defense as good as it is, I'll take that as a pretty fair fight against LSU. I'll be the first to tell you, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, all those dudes, they were really very, very, very good. But I'm also not willing to concede that battle against Georgia there in that spot either. This is kind of just for fun because it can't really happen. But if those two teams were to play each other, how would you feel about that Georgia defense going up against that Joe Burrow LSU offense? Yeah, I saw the same thing you did. Saw it as well. I looked at it and I said, man, I would love to sign up to watch that one. Because uh, I remember um, going back, playing the SEC Championship against LSU, man, and they were just, uh, I mean, to me, they were the best college football team of all time. I mean, mm-hmm. they were, you just you couldn't stop them. Uh, they played with a confidence and with a swagger. Uh, man, when you get a, a good football team with good players that coach well, man, they're playing with confidence and swagger. I mean, man, good good luck. Uh, and it was tough. And just like they, they could do no wrong. Um, and, man, it was it was really, really tough. But, man, <laughs> and then you go back to that defense that was so dominant yeah. uh, as well. I mean, gosh, I don't I don't know. that. That's a tough one. I just know I, I would love to, to sign up and watch that one because there would be incredible, incredible players and incredible plays, man, throughout the whole game. Yeah, no doubt about that. And also an incredible conversation with you each week here on the program. Jake, we certainly appreciate your time. We hope you get ready to enjoy – a great weekend here. We'll look forward to speaking to you soon as part of our Kroger Fresh Take here on Dog Nation Daily again very soon as well. Yeah, Brandon. Thank you. Have a good weekend. I love having Jake Fromm on the show. You know, just a great dog, former player, obviously, but also just kind of a fan of the sport, you know, kind of getting into the comparison there between the LSU team, which, listen, we will never say a bad word about 2019 LSU. We can talk good about 2021 Georgia without disparaging 2019 LSU. That bunch was good. <laughs> they were good so uh it's kind of a fun debate something we kind of did yesterday and uh jake from participating in that with us here today there as well also two really good golden shoes today there too i want to give a shout out here so lex kelsey sent this to me last week she says it's 5 a.m in hawaii and chance dog 19 great uga fans got dog nation blasting while he's in the shower she says you can take him out of the mainland but you can't change him so uh lex that was such a great thing to hear and then uh, chance dog weighs in to say yeah dog nation daily it is true so them in hawaii having a really good time listening to dog nation daily while they're there i cannot tell you guys how much i appreciate that wanted to give you a golden shoe for it thank you so much for that and now our gator hater countdown lousy stinking gators 162 days from right now uh dogs back in jacksville beating up on the uh, florida gators again we will see you back here tomorrow or should say monday dog nation daily presented by kroger we will look forward to talking to you then